listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 305. So before we get into all this stuff, I have a question for the audience. We have been getting a lot of requests to actually take this show and put it on YouTube with video. If you think that would be valuable to you, audience, let us know. Let us know. Yeah, we'd love to see you on YouTube. Love to see you on video. Or no, we don't want to see what you look like. We want to keep listening to you audio only. We just love the feedback. The I think you just really want me to wear makeup. <laughs> How rude. <laughs> you look great without makeup. It Thanks. doesn't matter either way. And if you're somewhere north of Houston on June 28th, preferably in Calgary, we're doing an oil and gas network mixer, just like we do here in Houston every month. We're doing it in Calgary, Alberta. It's sponsored by Emerson. There will be a link in the show notes. There's a few dollars to come see us. Paige and I will record an episode of oil and gas this week, this podcast. And Paige, the charity that we're donating money to there supports retired police dogs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember making a decision about that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So come join us. Come have some fun. If you're in Alberta, it is going to be a blast. We're going to do a huge Alberta oil and gas industry, pro oil and gas event. A lot of our brothers and sisters that work in the industry have basically just been beaten down the last couple of years, and we're going to turn that around. Okay, dope. And if you want to leave us a review, just click on the link in the show notes. Reviews have been coming in slower than normal, but we still appreciate each and every one. And we have a very short one, but it's a good one. Uh, yeah, it? five stars. Great way to learn about oil. Our civilization is based on oil. This podcast will help you understand that. From me, <laughs> 741. And I'm not laughing because I think this is a bad review. I'm telling people, this is how short a review you can leave. Literally, it's two sentences. Love to hear the five-star reviews. If you'd like to see something different about the podcast, go ahead and give us a four-star review and let us know what you'd like to change. Doesn't mean we will, but we'll take it under consideration. I'll think about it. All right, let's get into the news stories. Saudi pledges big oil cuts in July as OPEC Plus extends deal into 2024. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff in the news around this. They've cut production. Saudi is one of the few members of OPEC that can cut production, quite frankly. They could drop about a million barrels a day, looks like, for the rest of the year. It was very interesting. Their energy minister had a quote, and this is the quote. This is a Saudi lollipop. We want to ice the cake. We always want to add suspense. We don't want people to try to predict what we do. The market needs stabilization. Now, of course, that's being translated into English. That's why it doesn't quite flow properly. I was going to say, that kind of sounds, that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you what I think. So basically what they're saying is that they're tired of the traders being able to predict what they do. And at the same time, they think this will stabilize the market. I think that's just complete bull. I think what they're trying to do is raise oil prices, obviously, because the prices did go up when the announcement was made. During this time of inflation, even though everybody in the industry is doing well right now, OPEC's not doing as well as it wants to do because its cost of producing oil is much higher than it was before. And then the demand that should be coming out of China that we all thought was going to be very high is kind of just a medium demand. So it's really not a big surprise to me they did this. Now, the interesting thing is they're going to keep this cut all the way to the end of 2024, which should keep all prices up. It's going to restrict supply. And China, I still believe demand will go up. I'm just not exactly sure when. I think it's going to be the last quarter of this year. If I'm right about that and OPEC keeps the cuts, 
we may have $100 a barrel oil by the end of this year, which everybody that produces is going yay, and everybody that refines is going no. In the real world things, that's just too high in oil price. We need to keep oil around $70 or $80 a barrel. So we'll see what happens with these cuts. You know, It's getting so hard to predict the market because of what's going on geopolitically in the world. This is on the realm of possibilities. I thought this might happen, but I wasn't for sure, but it's actually happened. And the market responded. We'll keep an eye on it. All righty. Senate passes debt ceiling deal, including Mountain Valley Pipeline approval. I would have lost money on this one <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so if you don't know what happened, basically, the Republicans have just a little bit of control in Congress, and they've not allowed us to increase our debt ceiling. Basically, in the last, really since Ronald Reagan, every four years or so, we spend more money than we should. By law, there's a cap on how much debt the U.S. can have, and it takes Congress to increase that cap. Think about it like the limit on your credit card, right? So what's happening is the U.S. has hit the limit on their credit card. They want more. They have to ask for permission to raise that limit. And they said, yes. Now, part of the negotiations around this to raise the debt ceiling to three point, <laughs> this is crazy, $31.4 trillion. Ah. The U.S. is the only country in the world that could support this type of debt, $31.4 trillion. A couple of things in here that are very interesting. One is they'd pull back about $28 billion in unspent COVID relief funds. That's actually a good thing. They also removed about $1.4 billion IRS funding. That is also a good thing. Then, particularly in West Virginia, they've expedited approval for the Mountain Valley Pipeline, which I thought was no way this would get through. This has been tied to this bill. It's what the Republicans are holding on to. And it actually made it through. Now, this is good for the east part of the country. This is good for West Virginia. This is good for the Mountain Valley Pipeline. This is a $6.6 billion pipeline project that got approved, I think, back in 2017. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's give them a little bit of slack because in the middle of all this was COVID. Yeah. But this is something that was really impressive. And the country needs this. The world needs this. Now, of course, environmental groups are raising hell, talking about how it'll affect forest habitats and ruined streams and just outdoor regulation, none of which is true. So it's done. Now, there were some concessions made by the Republicans that I don't want to get into. We'll let George do that on the geopolitical podcast. But all in all, this was a good thing. So glad to see it. Congratulations, Congress, for actually using common sense. (laughs) For the most part. All right. So this is a funny one. Citizens Against Government Waste names New York Governor Kathy Holchel May 2023 Porker of the Month. Congratulations, Kathy. You are now the Porker for the month of May. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So short version is New York's one of the states that are trying to ban natural gas. As part of her Green New Deal, she is saying they're going to ban all new natural gas connections and eventually <laughs> remove the existing oil and gas connections, which is just ludicrous. And basically, if this is allowed to go through, this is going to force the citizens of New York to have to deal with cold. Yeah, it's a lot of people for- are going to die. Yeah, it's going to force restaurants to go out of business. And bottom line is, even if you think that the burning of hydrocarbons negatively impacts our environment. The burning of natural gas has almost zero impact, right? Right. Because of the small, very small amount of CO2 that's released. It is a very inexpensive fuel. We have gobs and gobs and gobs of it. Banning natural gas stoves makes zero impact to the environment. And all it does is hurt people, companies, and it's just just retarded. I wonder what she has in her house. 
Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know? and I wonder what restaurant she eats at. Oh, I'm yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so this is a Citizens Against Government Waste decided to give her this award. So congratulations. I'd love to see what the trophy looked like. Oink um, oink. But I am right there. <laughs> I'm right there with you. So Governor Kathy of New York, this is a bad idea to even try to do this. You're not helping anybody, but maybe sounds the like some that, California crap. Yeah, maybe the people that finance your campaign. Yeah, highly likely. All right. Next one is 2023 top 20 oil and gas themes that will impact the industry. Industry, technology, ESG, microeconomics uh, will play pivotal roles. Researchandmarkets.com. Yeah. So this is interesting. This is basically clickbait. The reason we left this in here is they want you to actually buy this report. So if you go to the link in the show notes, they give a very high level overview without getting into the details. They talk about ESG movements, geopolitics, supply chain, renewables, energy transition, electric vehicles, the metaverse, blah, blah, blah. And then they talk about a lot of companies that we all know, BP, Equinor, Shell, ExxonMobil, Chevron, any, on and on and on. And they actually want you to buy this report. Now, let me tell you from eight years of experience of doing this, this is one of the organizations that every time I put out my predictions for the next year, I see my predictions in their reports, right? They reword it a little bit. So if you want to buy this report, let me caveat this. I have not bought it. I have not read it. It may be super valuable. It may not be. I don't know. But if you want to buy this report, the link's in the show note. If you want to see the same information for free, what is this, June? Give me six months and wait till November. No, four months. Wait till November of this year, and I'll have my predictions for 2024 come out, which you will see once again back into their support for next year they're trying to sell. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Petrobras blocked from drilling a key offshore exploration zone. So I actually like this. So there's an agency in Brazil, and I cannot translate. It's basically called IBAMA, and it's their environmental protection. It's basically their version of the EPA. Ah. Yeah. And then there's a place where they want to go drill that is very environmentally sensitive. So a lot of mangrove marshes, a lot of mixture of freshwater and saltwater, coral reefs. There's several endangered species. Oh, man. And Petrobras, if you don't know, this is a nationalized oil company. So it's basically the government's owned oil company in Brazil, which normally they drill wherever the heck they want. Yeah. This is cool that their version of Environmental Protection Agency is saying, you have not done your due diligence and proven to us that you can drill here environmentally responsibly, so we are not going to allow you to drill. I love this. Yeah. So we have this type of protection here in the U.S., this type of checks and balances. It's We have it in Europe. We have it in Australia. It's needed more in Central and South America. Typically, what happens in Central and South America is that even if they have this type of organization, it's just a token organization that has no political power. And the nationalized oil companies drill however, wherever, whenever they want. This is awesome. So what they're doing is they're not telling Petrobras they can never drill in this environmentally sensitive area. They're saying, hey, you need to prove to us that you can do this properly. And so now Petrobras has to come back with a plan, which to us is normal. But for Petrobras, I've never had one of their own government agencies push back and tell them, no, we need more of this. Now, interestingly enough, this area is right next to the areas in Guyana where ExxonMobil has just killed it with discoveries. Mm -hmm. So I suspect that on the Petrobras side, there's also tons and tons of recoverable hydrocarbons. Have at it, Petrobras. Make your money. Go drill, but do it the right way. Like I said, I think this is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Invictus strikes oil, gas in Zimbabwe. 
Yeah, they're killing it. <laughs> it's an Australian company. Let me tell you something interesting about this. So it's a lot of light oil, a lot of condensate, a lot of natural gas, and a lot of helium. Oh, nice. Because aren't we in a shortage? The world has been in a helium shortage. If you remember this back in 2017, 2018, if you went to go get party balloons at Party City, they told you they're limited because they're having a hard time getting enough helium. Helium can be made, can be synthesized, but it's very expensive to be synthesized. We find it naturally in the ground like we find other earth resources. And this- I bet a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people know this. This actual reservoir they found has found enough helium in commercial concentrations high enough to actually be commercially viable. So typically, you need about 0.04% percent or higher to actually be commercial viable and it's 0.1 so it's about 10 times more helium concentrate than what you need to be commercially viable Uh, this is in the cabor racing basin and vince holds about 80 percent interest in that this is great this is great for mankind this is great for the discovery company and good for balloons and good for balloons (laughs) so (laughs) great job invences all right uae sought more u.s presence in the gulf after Iran seized oil tanks. So this Tigers. bothers me a lot. So this is basically United Arab Emirates, UAE, saying for the second time, U.S., can you help us? Hmm. So the first time they asked, we should have done a lot more than we actually did. This is, has to do with pirates and people taking ownership, illegal ownership in the Persian Gulf of tankers and super tankers. The Department of Defense needs to get much more heavily involved in this. We need to get our fifth fleet, which is in that area of the world, more active. Iran's been taking these ships and these tankers hostages. There's been, unfortunately, some injuries. And the UAE is asking for our help for the second time. Come on, U.S. government. It's literally just reach out to the Department of Navy, say, go do this, protect these carriers, protect the movement of hydrocarbons around the world, keep people from being taken hostages and ships and being hijacked. So let's see what happens. Let's see what the U.S.'s response is. But this is the second time that one of our allies asked for help. And as an American, I don't think we should ever be asked twice, right? The first time we were asked, if it made sense, we should have went and helped them. We shouldn't have them asked the second time. So UAE, I hope our government does the right thing and gets the military presence to stabilize that part of the Persian Gulf. All righty. Kazakhstan and China discuss expanding oil pipelines. I should have seen this one coming. So China is one of the largest, if not the largest, consumer of hydrocarbons in the world. In fact, I actually think they are the largest consumer of hydrocarbons. That would make sense. Passed us up. And if not, they're right there with us. However, they have to import about 70% of the hydrocarbons, which is weird because they have a ton of hydrocarbons under their feet. But because they don't have the infrastructure like roads and pipelines, it doesn't make economic sense for them to tap into their own hydrocarbons yet. It will come down the road. So this is Kazakhstan saying, hey, just take this pipeline we already have, let's double the capacity of it, and then we can double the amount of hydrocarbons that we send you, China, because you need the energy as your population grows. So right now, it's moving about 6 million tons of hydrocarbon a year, and then this project would double it about 12 million tons, which would be a huge <laughs> increase. The funding's already there. It's about $200 million to expand this project. And the reason that sounds cheap, I mean, I know $200 million doesn't sound cheap, but <laughs> if you were to double a pipeline here in the U.S., this capacity would be way more than $200 million, Yeah, is they don't have all of the government red tape and permitting and environmental activists that we have to deal with, which, by the way, environmental activists, 
Why don't you go to China and protest this pipeline? <laughs> just, just go do it. Go glue yourself to the pipeline. Oh, man. And let's see what happens. So this is actually really good for China. It's really good for the China National Petroleum Company. It's a good project for the Chinese people. It does bother me a little bit as an American. I don't want to get too deep in the politics. We'll leave that to Jordan. But when I think about risk, geopolitical risk in the world in the next, say, 10 or 15 years, China is probably what worries me the most. And the one good thing I know is that they're really dependent on foreign imports of hydrocarbons. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. military is really good at large-scale blockades. And if something really bad happened today, I'm convinced our military could choke the hydrocarbon flow into China, which would then make China have just maybe three or four months of hydrocarbon storage to keep their military machine running. And literally, their military just run out of gas. Hmm. Right? That makes me feel safe at night knowing that if something bad happens with China, the U.S. military could basically cut off their fuel supply. However, you have projects like this, which would be much harder for the U.S. military to cut off because most of China's imports comes through the straits and super tankers, which is very easy for our Navy to blockade. Anyway, I'm getting kind of too deep in the geopolitics. <laughs> so, you know, good for China National Petroleum, good for the people in China to have more hydrocarbons, to have more energy as they move their population up to more Western standards. We'll keep an eye on this. Okay. The U.S. holds its first oil and gas lease sale since IRA was passed. So this sale actually happened last Thursday. We'll let you know what the results are. I think this is great. This is one of those bargaining points that were built into the IRA that I was waiting for somebody to find a loophole or come back with some type of fictitious reason not to let it go through. And they're actually doing lease sales. It's in New Mexico and Kansas, I believe. Mm -hmm. So let's wait and see where things go, what it goes for. What prices, let's see what blocks are bought, who buys them. You know, right now in the U.S., these land sales are probably in the middle of a resurgence. With the price of oil being what it is, it makes sense. You can actually make money doing this, but you're not making a lot of money. Oil needs to hedge up just a little bit higher than it is today. And like I said, OPEC made the cuts, which did push things up for the rest of the year. The cool thing is, love my peeps in New Mexico. New Mexico, I believe, saw the highest crude increase in production of any state last year. Oh, good for them. Yeah, shame on you, Texas, for letting somebody grow faster than us. They're still nowhere near Texas, but their growth was the highest, which means they have their ducks in a row, right? They have their environmental, their political, their public opinion ducks in a row. We need more of this. Hats off to our federal government. What is that, BOEM? BOEM and BLM, I believe. Yeah, for letting this go through. Let's get more leases sold in the U.S. Yeah, and isn't it in New Mexico that their energy – Money that comes in supports like their education. Oh, and yeah. All. It goes straight to yeah. schools and infrastructure projects, right? Yeah. So hospitals, roads, you know, all that sort of stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. All right. Oklahoma will be home to a new full conversion crude refinery. This makes me want to cry. We have not built a new fuel refinery since the 70s. And I know somebody always writes in and talks about the Davis refinery in North Dakota. I know that's a new refinery. It's a teapot refinery. It's a one-off. They're actually going to do the same thing in the Permian. Separate story than a full-blown, full-conversion crude refinery. Now, you may go, why Cushing, Oklahoma? If you don't know this, Google a map of the pipelines of the U.S. So first thing, you could be amazed at how many gazillions of miles of pipelines are just in the U.S. There's probably not a square kilometer 
of land anywhere in the U.S. There's not a pipeline going through. But they all cross in Cushing, Oklahoma, right? That's I the did not know that. intersection capital of the U.S., right? Neat. That's when the Keystone Pipeline was being built before it came. Oh, to football, yeah. Was to bring the heavy crudes to Cushing. And once they hit Cushing, you have all these other pipelines that could move it to all the other refineries in the U.S., predominantly in the Gulf Coast. So if you think about all these pipelines converging and mixing in Cushing, where else would be a great place to build a refinery if you could build another one? Number one, the people there support it, which, by the way, environmental activists. Number two, after gluing yourself to the pipelines in China, go to Cushing, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> go, go try this in Cushing, Oklahoma. But the bigger business picture here is with all the different pipelines coming from all different parts of the U.S. and also from our neighbors in Canada and also headed out to all different parts of the U.S., including Mexico and export terminals in the Gulf of Mexico – this gives this new refinery a lot of flexibility. If oil from one producing state, which is their raw feedstock, is a little bit more expensive, they have the pipeline infrastructure to pull it from a different state. If they can sell their end products more on the West Coast and the East Coast, they have the pipeline infrastructure right there to, to route it from the East Coast to the West very Coast. Very strategic. Very, very strategic. The citizens and the commission of the city of Cushing voted unanimously to welcome this pipeline project in. Southern Rock Energy Partners is running lead on this, and it's just a wonderful thing. The Cushing Economic Development Foundation, the Cushing Industrial Authority, the city of Cushion, the Oklahoma Department of Commerce all work side by side with the local people to make sure that all of their environmental and safety concerns were met. The people said, you know what? This is great. It's going to create 250 barrel per day's next generation full conversion crude refinery. This refinery is going to be new. So it's eliminated about 95% of any of the greenhouse gas emissions that older refineries would have had mm -hmm. while producing almost 100 million barrels a day of fuels and petrochems. This is construction project will last about three years to start in 2024. They hope to have it online in 2027. And you're looking at not only over $5 billion in capital investment, but over 500 full-time jobs. Created. I was about to ask, how many that's jobs? The, that's running the project. The construction job count is probably several thousand employees right. hired to build it. So this is just wonderful for everybody. And you know what? I got to give a shout out to the people and the government officials in Cushing, Oklahoma, for doing the right thing for their citizens and also making sure they protect the environment. This is wonderful news. Yep, yep, yep. All righty. Oil and gas spending increases on security concerns, Rystead says. Really? After Russia invades Ukraine? Huh. After Nord Stream 2 gets blown up? After a cyber attack on the colonial pipeline? <laughs> security becomes an issue? Just all of a sudden. Right. <laughs> and the truth is, as long as I've been in this industry, security has always been an issue. Both It started off with physical security, so protecting right. people and infrastructure. And now cybersecurity has become super important in this mix. And now things like reputation security is coming in this mix as well. So I actually, if you read this article, I actually disagree with Rystad a little bit. They're basically saying, hey, all field service companies, this security concern is triggering a bunch of investments, but the uptick in this investment dollars is only temporary because pretty soon renewables will come and start clamping down on the profits of the oil and gas industry, which I don't believe at all. But I do agree that security concerns are important and they have unlocked a lot of additional sales opportunities for companies that address physical cybersecurity and reputation security. Now they're saying the extra spending will last the next 15 months. No way. The extra spending on security will last forever. I don't actually think there's a spike coming for spending on security. I think the growth in our more IP enabled infrastructure is only going to continually increase 
the need for more and more robust security solutions, and the bad guys are getting super sophisticated. So I think if you're in the security industry, no matter what part of the security industry, and you're not focused, if you don't have a sales team focused on oil and gas, you're missing out on a lot of potential revenue. And then the other thing is a lot of our infrastructure here in the U.S. falls under national defense, right? Right. And so they have to have another level of security because it falls under national defense. So I agree that there's an increase in security. But Rice said, I don't think that it's going to end in the next year or two because of renewables. <laughs> Duh. All righty. Canadian oil and gas producers restart production as wildfires abate. This is so great. Yeah. So you know what happened? They had a bunch of rain. Oh, fantastic. A bunch of rain that was not forecast. It helped the firefighters on the ground. Now, their fires are still burning. Don't get me wrong. Right. But some of the fires that they were expecting to take months to gain control, they took control of. Some of the fires that they had control of, but they weren't able to put out, they were able to put out. So this is really good. Now, Crescent Point Corporation has brought back online all of its operations. Several of the operators in Alberta have resumed partial operations. The rainfall helped a lot, like I said, and it's just good to see that operations are coming back in. We've had actually zero deaths, as far as I understand. We've had a few injuries, but the fact that they went through all these major wildfires without anybody dying with only a few injuries— and they're able to bring their operations back online this quickly is good. It's good for brothers and sisters in Canada, which, by the way, if you're in Alberta, remember the mixer we're doing. Right, it's yeah. for the mixer to be thankful of this. Segway into mixer yeah. sales. But it's just, I love the fact, even Chevron Canada, who's probably the most risk-adverse company up there, says they brought back partial operations and they're continuing monitoring so they're able to bring back full operations. So thank you, God, for the rain in Canada. Yeah, now I have Melly Vanelli stuck in my head. <laughs> Blame it on the rain. <laughs> Some of our younger listeners are going, who's Millie Who's Vanilla? that? Yeah. <laughs> the original lip sinkers. All right. And let's wrap it up with Shell's CEO shielded by security as climate protesters try to storm shareholder meeting. They did storm shareholder meeting. The reason I had this article in here, so this is the Shell shareholder meeting. A whole group of climate protesters basically broke in, or not broke in, were in there, and they stormed the stage when the Shell executives were having their meeting. First thing, Shell, maybe you should like limit who's allowed in your meetings. I do understand your Dutch mentality. You want everybody to have access and everybody to be agreeing to understand. I do get that. But in today's world, 2023, with the craziness that's going on, you know, I'm surprised they didn't should, glue themselves to the stage. Well, it gets this is the way to get to the good part. <laughs> you know, Shell, seriously, Maybe what you do is you televise this meeting for everybody and that you only make sure that the people that are allowed physically in the room have been through some type of security or background check because yeah, no kidding. nothing bad happened here, but it was this close. So a bunch of the protesters ran up on stage and they're shouting, go to hell, Shell, don't you come back no more. Singing. That's clever. Yeah. It's all about Shell's production of hydrocarbons. Now, one of my favorite things about this, when they stormed the stage, Shell's security for their executives reacted very well. I actually watched the video about 10 times. And the first thing he did is they removed their executives. That's if you're a bodyguard, your job yeah. is not to fight. Your right. job is to get your principal in safe room as quick as possible. And Shell's security did an excellent job of that. Here's where it gets really funny. And you got to watch the video. Once they secured the safety of their executive team, 
the camera operators. You ever seen the big boom where there's a camera on a big boom? And oh, please tell me they dropped it on them. They hit them with it. <laughs> <laughs> they, hit, they start hitting the protesters with the boom for the camera, which then allowed the police, made it much easier for police to grab and put them in handcuffs and bring them out. That's awesome. So protesters quit doing stuff like this. Luckily, nobody got hurt. I don't agree. I love how you say quit doing this like they're going to listen to you or something. We actually have quite a few. I should say quite a few. We actually have a few organizations that don't like the oil and gas industry listen to this show. Well, I got something to say to you <laughs> on behind the curtain. Um, but but <laughs> but seriously, you know, I don't agree with your approach. Take out politics and your opinions and everything. If you're going to protest, there's certain ways to do it right and there's certain ways to do it wrong. What you did here, this protest with Shell had a high potential of somebody getting hurt or killed. Shell's security team is armed. Right. And all it would have taken is one of your young protesters to pull something out that looked like a firearm. God, and can it you imagine the backlash so of that? Quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So quit doing stupid stuff like this. Right. Luckily, nobody got hurt. It just tickles me to death. The cameraman took out like six of the protesters. That's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> so maybe Shell, besides investing in background checks, maybe we should hire more cameraman like that guy. Right. <laughs> You know, this is the point where we're talking about advertising with us. Mm-hmm. If anybody's listened this month in June to any of our older episodes, so any of the episodes that are three months old back to a year, you've already heard the commercials that we're putting in front of the older episodes. Mm-hmm. We're killing it. Our advertisers for our back catalog are making money left and right. Oh, that's cool. It costs almost nothing to do it. If you want to learn more about this, just go to OGN.com and hit the pricing page and you can see what I'm talking about. We still have our conference coming up in September. There's still exhibits spots open weekly rig count page where are we all right so the u.s is at 696 so we're down 15 canada's up 10 at 97 internationally we're up 18 at 965 yeah those are more or less expected numbers speaking of expected numbers we have a new intern a big shout out to juan so if you see a lot more activity on our LinkedIn company page, it's not us. It's Juan doing all the work. Well, it's definitely not me. <laughs> I've actually seen what he's, he's already started this morning, which is great. If you want to follow us and learn more about all the stuff that OGGN is doing, and we're doing a lot of stuff, really the best thing for you to do is go follow our LinkedIn page. Then if you want to get a question on First Friday Q&A, either go to OGGN.com or OnlyGasThisWeek.com. Both have places where you can ask a question. Remember, the goal is to educate our audiences, which actually, I should say, educate the world because we have mm-hmm. audiences in every single planet, every single planet on the universe. In the, in the, in the Milky Way. <laughs> we have <laughs> listeners in every single country on the planet. So, yeah, go ask your questions there. And then if you want my monthly oil and gas events email, we take all the oil and gas events that are going on, put it in your inbox once a month. And we also put stuff that's not public. So a lot of times there's free passes at conferences, stuff like that. If you want myself or any of our experts to come speak at your event, your conference, your sales and marketing kickoff, maybe travel to your country and do an industry mixer, let us know. We're happy to share the details. Oh, and just to be clear, there will not be a Houston mixer. Yeah. So everybody that's used to our Houston mixer, because we're doing the one in Calgary and we don't have a Calgary team, we're going to take our Houston team to do the Calgary event. Right. So we're going to skip June for Houston, but we will be back with Aurora in July. Ready to get out of here? Yeah. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.